Hey, what is up? This is Psychotronicast. I'm Alec Berg, coming to you live from the cold, cold bunker. We're in December, baby. Uh, the talent is Derek Estes, coming to you via satellite in a warm, toasty apartment. <laughs> yes, it's like 80 degrees in my apartment right now. Yeah. The intellectual talents, the one with all the brains. Uh, you can and you should subscribe to us on Instagram, follow us on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on, and check out our backlog of episodes that probably aren't listed on whichever app you're listening to this podcast on right now. Psychotronicast.com has them all, baby. Uh, this is in the mid-90s. We're nearing 100, so this is fucking crazy. It's getting real. Getting up there. Getting way up there. Um, so let's go down there, Derek. What the hell are you getting us into tonight? All right. Well, since we've been doing all the uh, kind of independent regional horror films from the, the 70s, uh, we're going to do yeah, one of the, the, the greats, uh, Don't Go in the House, uh, which is also <laughs> it is also known as The Burning. Uh, but they changed the name at the last minute because of the other film that came out right around the same time, directed by the Weinsteins, got called The Burning. Um, it was one of the uh, earlier titles for this movie, like one of the in-development titles, whatever it was, was The Burning Man, which I think they should have stuck with because it would definitely uh, fit the movie better. But uh, totally. what we got is Don't Go in the House, which is, uh, yeah, just kind of a little, little misleading title. But it's actually a really great film that I think... Um, you know, is in the tradition and, you know, goes, you know, up there with films like uh, The Driller Killer and Maniac. Um, yeah. As far as, like, you know, the, the type of, you know, almost, you know, uh, almost serious kind of, like, gross-out horror movie. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> if that makes any sense. Norman Batesy Psycho-y. Yeah, Def- absolutely. Def- yeah, it is definitely vibe. one of the children of Psycho. Yes, totally. And I had low, 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 low expectations going into this movie because the only thing I've ever heard of Don't Go in the House is where we go see movies at the Hollywood Theater. Sometimes they'll splice together like a handful of reels of uh, coming attractions during the all-night horror movie marathon. And they played all of the don'ts in a row, or at least like a group of them, like Don't Go in the House, Don't Answer the Phone, Don't Go in the Basement, whatever. And like, so I was thinking this is like some sort of horror or um, haunted horror film, which I'm not a fan of like haunted house shit really at all. And I thought this was just one of those like throwaway ones, but uh, I couldn't be more wrong. And I was pleasantly surprised to find out that this movie just kept on getting better and better as it, as yeah, it went. It's... Yeah. That's I mean, good. are you there? Oh yeah. I'm totally here. Whether you like oh, yeah. it or not. No, it was, it was fantastic. I, I had a great time watching it. I was just like, it's cool to go into something so blind and like also with like the wrong idea of what it is. And then it turns out to be something way better than you expected. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, I think that it, I'm just it su- is like people who know these types of movies are familiar with this, but I think that it, um, it, I think the title is one of those things I think holds it back. Um, that I think kind of gives the impression of, uh, like, and some of those other don't movies I do kind of like, I mean, I do like don't go in the woods. I mean, as crazy as that movie is, um, you know, but yeah, don't answer the phone just is really like, you really have to kind of wrap your brain into like a, a mindset to enjoy that movie. Um, some of the other ones, yeah, just aren't, aren't that great. Um, but this one is is great, and I think that uh, on I, I'm sure. Did you watch this on Prime? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so uh, it's available on Amazon Prime right now, uh, and the visually it looks great. Uh, it's a really well preserved, well restored um, 
you know, films available in HD. The only uh, issue, which is almost kind of charming, but uh, a little strange, is the audio is definitely not remastered at yes. all. You can hear the pops and clicks. Yeah. That uh, sounds like you're, you're watching an old beat up print. And I normally totally wouldn't, I'm not like an audiophile, so I really could give a shit about that in most cases. But there are a couple points in this movie where there's even kind of dialogue that kind of um, drops out a little bit. So that's a little weird, a little bummer, but it's, um, you know, visually it looks dynamite and it's very easy to, to catch. So I, I definitely recommend. I get um, that. I love the, I, I had to watch this movie with my headphones on um, and it just amplified it for me. I'm like, oh, this is like spooky weird. It's not like spooky weird, but it's like, um, I don't know, just added to the whole mystique of like, oh, I'm watching like something from the 70s that is just like, I don't know. This is just, it, it, this was film struck. You know what I mean? Like this isn't just some yeah. run of the mill, like whatever comes out these days. But yeah, it's, this had like sustenance to it. I, I like the fact that it was all poppy and weird. It felt like yeah, just totally. like I mean, you're listening to a 33. Mm-hmm. It, it adds to that uh, that atmosphere. I mean, you just expect it to like, you know, to look that way. Like when you, usually when you hear things that um, that poppy and that that crazy, it's usually like just a beat to shit print. Um, but this this one actually looks looks great. Um, yeah, the movie itself is so yeah. It definitely comes out of the tradition of Psycho as far as the the kind of weirdo with uh, mommy issues. Uh, all kind of you know all of these. I'll go back to Ed Gein or Ed Gein, like the Wisconsin serial killer uh, that inspired all of these. Uh, but this guy, he has a major phobia of fire. The old kind of later, later realize is based off of um, some abuse by his mother who was like trying to burn the sins out of him by holding his arms over the fire. Um, it always, always kind of reminds me of Travis Bickle in yeah. Taxi Driver because he like holds his hand over the arms trying to like condition himself. But um, strangely, for this guy, uh, his chosen career is to work in the incinerator, like a garbage incinerator. And, you know, one of the opening scenes of this movie is one of his coworkers catches fire. And it kind of just, like, whatever, it triggers him. And everyone else is kind of freaking out um, and, you know, trying to put the fire out. But he's just kind of, like, standing around and just watching. Um, and it seems to be kind of, like, maybe part one of this you know, kind of awakening he has. Uh, but it is really weird. I, I, I feel like if somebody who's had such a weird fire trauma, uh, maybe, you know, an incinerator wouldn't work. Yeah, I would work, <laughs> like, in a hockey rink on the Zamboni. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean... It is also funny, too, because this movie, it, a lot of it takes place in New Jersey, and it's shot, like, in the dead of winter. Um, and so you have this contrast, too, where, like, a lot of the... The visuals and a lot of the exteriors are are actually really ice rinky. They're very cold, very cool. Um, I think it offsets a lot of the the fire that goes mm-hmm. on in the movie. No, it, it, it was great that they filmed in the winter, whether they wanted to or not. It just to see their breath and how fucking cold it must be, and them not like you know fashionably wearing Carhartt. They're just wearing it because they have to, and it's like just oh yeah, a will to survive. Uh, in one scene, like his buddy, his coworker, I was counting the guy's layers because there's like he had a t-shirt, two button-down shirts over it, and then two coats over that. 
Um, and he's just inside. Yeah. You want to talk? <laughs> you know, about- I just think like you can get dressed like that when you're outside, but you know how cold it is when you're not sweating your balls off as soon as you come indoors. And you have to start peeling everything. Yeah. You want to talk about layers? I'm in the bunker right now. Here's here's my fashion. I've got <laughs> my hiking boots on because they keep my feet warm. Wool socks. I've got two pairs of sweatpants on. I've got a t-shirt, a flannel, a pullover. And then my Carhartt zipped up and a beanie. What's up? I'm ready to rock. So you're, you're basically just one bottle of J&B away from being Kurt Russell in the thing. Oh, man. Just give me that like electronic <laughs> chessboard to get pissed off because I lose to and pour it over the computer. Ruin it for the rest <laughs> of the people staying in Antarctica. Like, dude, that was our only source of entertainment. And you just poured J&B <laughs> over it, you son of a bitch. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. So... I love, yeah, this movie takes place in the winter, whatever, the house, the castle, whatever you want to call it. It's, the house is crazy. Apparently they also, they do, I think it was listening to, um, it was uh, the Supporting Characters podcast, and uh, Bill, the host, he you know, interviews a lot of people, he loves to go around to locations, like find movie locations, so find locations to cruising and, and stuff, and he was interviewing somebody, this is probably a year or so ago, and they were actually going to try to record the interview from this house. Uh, and apparently they did like a screening. They were screening the movie in the house. That's um, awesome. Which is such a cool idea. Yeah. And, you know, for him to come home and find that his mother is dead. Mm-hmm. And for his way to like rejoice and like now I'm free, I'm just going to fucking blast disco. Oh, yeah. Like I knew he... when that moment happened in the film, like, fuck yeah, mom's dead. Let's listen to disco. I was like, this movie... <laughs> Is I'm 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 hearing you. I'm all there. I'm all in. I am all in on "Don't Go in the House," and uh, that's not the only disco song you hear. Oh, there's a lot of disco. Yeah, it is like. I mean, this movie is also. It was made. It's funny because at one point uh, later in the the movie, they're in like a like a market or like a you know kind of a convenience store, and you see a TV guide. And I looked up to find out, because I could only recognize the cover, but I couldn't find the date. But I looked through all of the covers, because TV Guide is a great website. has all of them. I'm like, which week is that? And it was February 10th, 1979. So this is like 78, 79, that winter. And disco was fucking huge. This is even like kind of before the big backlash, when everybody was like, yeah, know, fuck disco. Disco sucks. Like, no, this is when it went mainstream. Yeah. And every nerd wanted to be at the discotheque. Yeah, that was like a couple of years prior to like, old Kamitsky Park in Chicago when they had the Disco Sucks Night at the White Sox game. And exactly. They, it got crazy. Weird. Don't do that, Chicago. That's also the same no. place that had uh, Nickel Beer Night. And it's like, Nickel Beer Night goes awry. And it's like, no shit, Chicago. <laughs> Jesus. No wonder they had to build your city twice. <laughs> All right. So uh, back to New Jersey. And now that his yeah. mom is dead, he's found his new sense of freedom. He's listening to disco music. He's like, why as well go window shopping for flamethrowers and flowers and victims? Yeah, well, he's like, so yeah, the first thing he really does is he goes and he buys an asbestos suit and he builds himself like a fire chamber in the house, which is so crazy. I mean, it, it also makes sense. I guess this is, you know is the part that, you know, makes sense him working in an incinerator. And so he's just thinking about that. And maybe he even, you know, is aware of, you know, what requirements you'd need not to burn your house down to build yourself a fire room. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so he, yeah, he <laughs> builds this and then, yeah, he goes and hunts down the women. The first victim, the, the florist is the one, it's the most brutal, I think in the movie, which is kind of weird because you'd think that you'd kind of like build to it. 
Um, and yeah, this woman makes one mistake and she opens the door after she is closed, <laughs> which you should never do. Just because people who come to where you work after you're closed, those people suck and they deserve not to come in. Um, Absolutely. She didn't heed that rule and she ends up dead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he like, and he is like the actor. I've heard like Stephen Thrower, I think in uh, Nightmare USA, or it was maybe Alan Jones. They talk about how he's kind of like the low rent Dustin Hoffman. But I kind of see that. But I also, to me, he looks kind of like Alan Arkin, like a young Alan Arkin. Um, and he seems like kind of normal. He's not like you know some of the weird killers, you know, like uh, Joe Spinell and Maniac, and you know those guys are like they're just they're so gross. You'd be like, oh god, you just you look like you. Just would smell like you murder people. Yeah, um, yeah. But he just seems like kind of like maybe a quiet, nice, normal guy. It's funny. Um, he reminds me of Griffin Dunn. Oh, interesting. He gives me that yeah. vibe. Yeah, it's funny. So yeah, she like invites him. He's starting to get a little weird. He's like, oh, I need to get some flowers for my mom or something really simple and whatever. She's very nice. She helps him out. She's just beautiful, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she like, kicks him out. But then because she was dealing with his bullshit, she misses her bus, and she's out in the fucking cold. And then all of the guys, like, whatever, just, like, New Jersey creeps or whatever, like, standing out and just, like, catcalling her and being gross. And she's, like, and then, um, like, Donnie is, like, in his truck just waiting to pick her up. He's like, oh, like, I'll give you a ride. You know, but first I need to to take you to my my mom's house really quick. She's like, ugh. Great. Reminds me of that episode of Atlanta with the barbershop episode where there's a barber that keeps like begging him all around and never cutting his hair. Oh yeah, that one it's is made great. me really anxious. It's yeah. like same thing, like just a like don't go in anyone's car and don't go on errands for people. Yeah, okay. I go for it. In? Oh yeah. So then she ends up going back to his house and then he's kind of like pulling all this weird shit. He's just like, oh, I have something to go see my mom and. My mom's not doing too well. I need to call a doctor. Just pretend to call a doctor. And she's like, like really uncomfortable. So she's like, can I just, I need to call a cab. Like, can I use the phone? And then when he finally gets away to give her the phone, he like brains her over the head with like whatever fucking giant metal weight thing that he has laying around. Um, and the next thing we see is she's like naked and you know, hanging, like she's all like hogtied and hanging from a hook in the ceiling in the like fire room. And he's just dousing her with gasoline. And then he just comes out with the asbestos suit and the flamethrower and just, like, torches her. Um, brutal. It's so brutal. It's so crazy. You're just like, what the fuck? That's why, like, when it and turns then, on a dime, that's what reminds me of Maniac is, like, there is just straight up no comedy in, like, some some stuff where it's like, oh, this is, like, you know, you can find the the quirks and like, oh, this is kind of screwing around a little bit. It's like this movie just cuts to the core from time to time. You're like, damn. Well, especially this one. I think some of the later ones there there is there are little bits of humor, but I think with that one, you're just like, fuck, like that's so unrepentant and it's just so like it's that is really pretty brutal and it gives you an idea that this guy um, is already just like way over the deep end. So it's not even like something where it's like going to escalate where it's like he's starting. You know, I mean, you wonder, you think about, like, the House of Jack built, like, you know, all those people, like, as a little kid, like, is he torturing animals or is he doing whatever? Um, but it seems like, you know, this movie that maybe it was just that those twin coincidences of seeing that guy burn and uh, his mother's death that, like, now he's just, like, he's free to fucking 
be a monster. Well, that's when the voice um, enters his head too. The what? The voice that enters his head. Like, I wonder oh, if that yeah. voice has always been in his head before he saw the guy burn at work, or it just like clicked on after that, and then now. Yeah, see, like even right before he discovers his mom's dead, you actually see him trip out, like staring. He's like preparing her tea or something, and he's staring at the matches next to the stove. You know, and you hear it, and then after he sees that she's dead, and he's listening to the disco. Then you actually see the flashback of her holding his arms over the fireplace, over the uh, stovetop. Mm-hmm. I think that's like uh, what set the wheels in motion. Yeah. So if it, you know if that mom would just fucking stayed alive, all these people would still be breathing. Oh yeah. Well, and then he starts going on a little roll because then he sees he picks up you know this woman whose you know car broke down on the side of the road. Is he gonna give her a ride? And this, you know, unfortunately, they don't show us these killings. We just yeah, they, they cut to that picture of the outside of the house and like the Amityville horror, and then he hears screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that woman, and then there's another woman that he just like fucking accosts in that market, the one that, yeah, where I saw the TV guy. She's just like trying to shop, and he's just like fucking inner shit, and then, you know, whatever abducts her. Um, it's crazy. And then he starts seeing like visions of, because he's like starts laying out all the people in the house, like, you know, burn up mummies. Yeah, that's a great touch. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, if Lucio Fulci made, like, a burn movie. Because Mm -hmm. they have all those, like, fucked up teeth kind of hanging out. Like, it's kind of like his version of a zombie, but if a zombie was burned. uh, Oh, yeah. No, it was great. And he, he, like, lines them up in that room. It's like, you three just hang out here and, like, gab and, like, gossip. I'm going to be... It's great. I love the way that's filmed. I mean, the the way that is lit and everything. It's just like that very spare room and they're all just very politely dressed and they're all politely posed. Yeah. You know, it's just that bare light bulb on the floor. It's just, it, yeah, it's disturbing. Bizarre as fuck. It's uh, kind of like, it also reminds me of that movie, uh, uh, deranged. Just the other kind of Ed Gein movie, uh, a bit of the guy who like, whatever, is just trying to keep his mom preserved in the bed. And this, it's really creepy like that. This movie has got that going. Yeah. He, uh, it's weird that he keeps his mother away from them. Well, maybe it's not because she's like her own deal. I don't know. It's bizarre. But then we kind of enter, like, this movie has to have some sort of relationship with somebody. So, like, they kind of loosely throw together one with, like, a coworker of his, uh, mm-hmm. that just, like, constantly checks up on him, calls him, makes sure he's okay, coming to work. What are you doing? We should yeah. get together. We should have a beer. Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's always, like, ducking them. And um, yeah. finally, he, like, agrees to go out to a discotheque with him. And then that whole, like, pretty woman scene of, like, him shopping for a new suit was great. Oh, <laughs> that is so great. That Well, the yeah, the shop guy, shop boy selling him the outfit is just so perfect. Yeah. Because um, he's also, like, and this, these are the, it's, like, it is funny how this movie works because in stuff like that scene in this whole disco scene, um, he becomes sympathetic again because he's very awkward and he's very shy and, you know, he doesn't know, you know, he's just like, you know, always wears the same, you know, kind of outfit. And so he wants to, you know, wear something nice and he sees these people shopping and there's like this shirt that he sees this woman admire. And he's like, Oh, well that woman like that, like can I get one of those. And, you know, the shop guys are, oh, well, she thought that was tacky, but yeah, you know, I can put together a whole ensemble for you. Yeah. Um, and I guess and can, he does. Yeah, he, it's great, too. And b- before he enters the disco scene, and even before he goes shopping, like the other sympathetic 
Yeah, I guess Act Two is all about like you know. Now we're gonna reel it back a little bit, and now be like, "This well, he is goes the church." Yeah, exactly. He goes to the church, and now it's like, "All right, feel sorry for him because he's doing this." But the priest that comes out kind of fucks me up because he sounds like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, just when Megadeth is like, because I remember in the '90s uh, they would play that shit all the time, and there's like a song where he goes like, "Hello, me, meet the real me," and it's like such a dumb song. I fucking hate Megadeth, but like the guy has one of those voices, and you're just like, "This." God, I don't know man. what is going on with this priest, but yeah, that was kind of blowing my mind. Um, yeah, the, so that whole dynamic, and then I'm like, okay, so you, you you worked him in in the second act because like he's gonna show up at the end of the third. Uh, yeah, totally. with his only friend, it is like he's supposed to like help because he's, you know, yeah, it's like his mother is still kind of making him crazy. I think he's just trying to like. Well, like, exercise her out, you know? Or, like, he wants to get the holy water to, like, whatever rub on her lips. <laughs> yeah. You know? I love it, too, because it's like, yeah, when he does that whole thing, it's like, every Wednesday is Ash Wednesday at fucking Donnie's house, because it's just nothing but, like, know, these burns-up right? bitches and him fucking I do blessing wonder, them. Yeah, one of the scenes with the priest that was kind of funny is, like, you know, a lot of it is, like, a lot of the conversation is, you're totally dubbed over. Um, but it also is a little disjointed in certain ways where when he first sees the priest, he's like, Oh, Donnie, I didn't think you'd ever come back here or whatever. And yeah. then later in the conversation, he's like, Oh, you've always been like a really good boy. Or you're like, I, I wonder if there was some sort of weird rewrite or if that, uh, later they were like, ah, we need to change the tone of this. Um, cause yeah, that, that scene is kind of all over the place. It is a little all over the place, but what's not all over the place because he doesn't like to dance is Donnie at the discotheque. Oh, yeah. I love it. It reminds me, that place reminds me a lot of the Good Foot here in Portland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where it's just like this subterranean looking club that's just one solid color and super dim. And, uh, oh, yeah. There's very and little it's like seating and everything. It's full dancing. of squares. I mean, there's a couple of maybe kind of coolish people, but it's like not, it's not a cool disco. It's, it's not definitely a happy like where the, where the suburban people are coming. No, but it's good. It makes sense, especially for these people in the movie. It's like, dude, it's like mm-hmm. all these guys that work a blue-collar job in a blue-collar town. It's like, they're not going to go to Studio 54. Doing doing cocaine at the neighborhood disco. Hell yeah. Oh, what's it called? The uh, something palace? A, disco, a palace disco? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. But, but the, it's... the woman he set up with, too, um, is great because she's just got like... Some crazy wig going on, or like I don't know, her hair is just totally insane, and mm-hmm. she's just ready to fucking party. And just like, I don't know, it's just really, it's funny. He's just like, oh, I don't know, I don't dance, I don't do anything. And then you can see like everyone, like her brother's there, and everybody's just trying to like get with her. I don't know, it's pretty funny. It was great. But then when she's trying to force him to dance, um, like she's like on the dance floor, she's like pulling his arms and it's like over the candle, and he has like a fucking freak out. So he throws the candle at her hair and just catches her hair on fire. Yeah, and she's just like, ah! yeah, wigging out. I'm and like, then he just like coolly just walks out. He's like, oh, I'm done. That's, like that's disco, right. disco Donnie is done. Yeah, from uh, disco Donnie so to he's... beat down Donnie, like he gets his ass <laughs> kicked. Oh, yeah. And all he had to do was cut a rug, man, and he would have been, like, fucking her in no time. Like, she was ready, and he just blew it. I mean, he bought those threads for no reason, just to get blood on him. But he bounces yep. back pretty quickly. He picks up a, a a couple chicks and a case of Budweiser, and he's ready to start murdering again. Oh, yeah. They go back uh, to the house, and, uh, yeah, this, this is funny because it's like, 
the writer is definitely like, all right, how do we get all these people in the scene, whatever? It's like, okay, how about his friend is scared for him? So he goes and finds his priest, like, yeah, real quick. And then, like, they go to his house because they both know where he lives and they don't call the cops. And it's like, the guy's looking for you, man. It's like, well, he'll never find me in this castle. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. The whole, the whole last getting the, the band back together one last time thing was kind of like uh, loosely put together, but it doesn't matter at this point. You're just having such a good time with this movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Who cares? Well, also, at the height of his crazy seeing all of the uh, the victims, like all the burn victims, like kind of coming alive. He's like, even, you know, at some points in the movie, he's uh, talking. It's like after one of the victims he brings back, he's like, I don't want you to. Oh, no, this is the thing. So, yeah, he goes out on one more tear. And the thing is, he picks up these two fucking women, and they're the most, like, of all of his victims, these are the two that, if you can we're asking for it, are asking for it. Like, the way that, like, people in, like, you know, Yellowstone that fall into, like, a fucking, you know, like, lava pit or whatever. You're like, yeah, those people, like, Darwinian. They're these two drunk bitches who, like, dine and dash out of a bar. They're like, how oh, did you pay the tab? But no, I don't know. They're drinking the fucking beer on the fucking side of the road, middle of winter, and they're just like trying to whatever hitchhike. And so then they end up getting into his truck, and he has a fucking beat up bloody face. And you're like, what? Even if you're fucking wasted, you're like, yeah, you know what? Don't get in this guy's fucking truck. So then, uh, so anyhow, like they get in and they're all like partying. Let's go to another bar. Let me get to like get some beer. Hope you got some whatever. And you're like. So he takes them home, and then he that's when he chastises the other, like, zombie people. And he's like, don't you get jealous of them. Like, don't be blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's trying to, like, fuck these women up. But then, like, these are the women that get saved, and nothing happens to. I know! But that's life, isn't it? Like, yeah. these, these fucking people can just keep walking and breathing the air that they shouldn't deserve. But here they are. Like, all the other women are just, like, I mean, uh, whatever, like, no one should be killed. But the other people are just, like, fuck, like, that's so brutal. Like, they're just trying to live their fucking life or whatever. They really are, like, they're not being fucking shady. And these people are, like, so careless and just totally making terrible choices. And then they they survive. Mm -hmm. That was really, (laughs) really galling. And that's, yeah, when the buddy and the priest show up. And I know that I'm wondering if uh, Joe Spinell or who's the guy from Maniac? Um, well, Joe Spinell's the actor, and then, um, but it's, uh... Oh, Abel uh, Ferreira? Bill Lustig is the Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah, So, I wonder if he took notes about the end of this film, because it's pretty similar to the end of Maniac. I don't know if... It, I think that they were both being made at the same time, so uh, I, I don't think that he would have seen this. Okay. I guess. It's kind of like the... Maniac is 80, I think. Okay. So and this wasn't really released until, like, probably, like, 81 or... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the whole like the witch came out and then hereditary came out and like the last five minutes are like identical. (laughs) And you're like, they're similar. Yeah, you're like, oh, not identical, but yeah, very similar. And you're like, oh, that's a weird coincidence. And then Midsommar came out and you're like, and the ending is just Wicker Man. And I'm like, all right, fuck this guy. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, fuck that guy anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know why people ride or die for him. He's like the new M. Night Shyamalan to me. Yeah, yeah, not. Not into, not into that guy. Not into it. Ari Aster. No. But I'm into <laughs> Don't Go in the House. Uh, what is up with, uh, the, you know, any anything about the, the cast, director, writer, anything that you know of? Well, I mean, uh, what's his, I mean, the main dude, Donnie, his, the actor's name, who I can't think of right now, like, he, I mean, he's done stuff, like, he was on The Sopranos, 
Um, he played like twins. And uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else in this movie that did anything. I mean, not that I'm aware of. I mean, it's possible. But, yeah, okay. Uh, nothing that, you know, I'm sure if I looked up on IMDb, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they were in such and such. But uh, yeah, there, there's nobody in here that I recognized as any named people. Oh, shit. Uh, so the guy, Donnie, uh, Dan Grimaldi. Uh, yeah. his, his top four credits on IMDb are The Sopranos, like you said, Don't Go in the House, what we are just talking about, and a previous episode, The Junk Man. Oh, is it, oh, that's right. He is in Junk Man, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I think I did read that somewhere. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Interesting. Crazy crossover. There it is. Uh, <laughs> that's super weird and random. That's funny. Like, how did he end up in Long Beach? Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> layover. Yeah, I know that's it. Like, well, you know, all, you know, all movies end up in Hollywood. So I guess you know, after this, he's like, oh, I'm going to make it big. Yeah, he is. He did go out west. Um, no, this movie was great. Uh, I pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Out of all the the regional th- movies that we've covered in this series, because we haven't talked about one that's going to be the next episode, but I've already seen it. Like, this is definitely. My favorite. It's definitely the most like rewatchable and like the easiest to recommend. And um... well, it's also the most conventional too. Absolutely, and it I seems mean, like it doesn't feel of, super regional. Know. Feels like there's. I mean, this definitely has the biggest budget out of the four movies that we are talking about in this series. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm assuming all th- the other three movies you can combine their budget and it would maybe equal this one. Maybe. I mean, I don't think this one really even had much of a budget. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on. I think it's just this one, I will say also in the version you saw too, is this has actually been restored. Yeah, okay. I think with the other movies I've seen too. Like, I mean, obviously, like, Criminally Insane is always going to be like that, but Alice Sweet Alice is actually, it's a beautiful film. I think that's actually more put together than this one. I guess you're right. Um, but I think that, I mean, the version you saw also was haggard. You know, actually, the old VHS, yeah. So it was haggard. I, I guess to just make. Basically, they they did the best with what they had, and like I don't know, yeah, it just seems uh, it just seemed more Hollywood than regional. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so uh, no kudos and huzzah to Don't Go in the House. It's unfortunate that the fucking burning came out, which is super weird because a few years back when we first started this podcast, we actually did an episode on the burning. It's just one of the lost episodes that got lost. Yeah, in the totally. Shuffle. Uh, yeah, that and Roadhouse, the two that, uh, will never be released because my computer (laughs) fucking shit them out before I can even put them up. And I do love this way more than The Burning, I'll tell you that much. Like, I wish The Burning didn't exist, so this movie could be called The Burning, so this could have maybe had more praise and acclaim and whatever. And it's not really even coming around. I've never really heard about this except for the Hollywood theater screenings where they'll throw the coming attraction up there for fun. That's it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is definitely, of people, like, of the types of movies we cover, it definitely is pretty well-known. I mean, it's actually even on the cover of Nightmare USA is actually him in the asbestos suit, like, burning down the United States. Oh, well, look. I'm still not on par with the real cinephiles out there. Uh, <laughs> I've, but I've, no, I mean, I think it, it, it is, I mean, like, it's kind of like all those movies, like I mean, all the Hollywood movies um, that I mean, like that to me are just really boring. Like I, mean, I, I, I appreciate like, you know, Friday the 13th. Okay. Like I can watch them, but those movies get so much attention. 
um, even the Halloween movies. And I, I do actually love the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, they're kind of this, the only, like, real, like, franchise that I can really kind of get behind for the most part. Um, but so many of them just like, eh, boring. But really, I think for all the regional ones are, like, all the ones that are really, that matter. You know, I mean, you have, like, things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead. Um, you know, obviously, like, all of these, you know, things like, uh, you know, Messiah of Evil and Maniac and Basket Case. And, you know, to me, those are the interesting horror movies. Like, you know, I'll take a million of those over The Exorcist or The Omen or, you know, all these kind of, uh, you know, polished Hollywood films. Because they're just, like, they're just kind of dead to me. I mean, they're fine, <laughs> but they're not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good way to put it, and uh, I agree. I Yeah, because when I think of my favorite horror, I'm thinking of, like, Italian. I'm not really – I don't think of, like, anything – yeah, that's super well. Even the stuff like what AIP was doing during the '70s, which is funny because you would think. I mean, as far as they were pushing boundaries in the '50s and '60s, and then by the time the '70s come around, you know, and you have stuff like you know Blackula or you know um, you know what is it, the thing with two heads, and you know you know Count Yorga, like stuff like that. I mean, they're fine, but they're not like. I don't know. They're just kind of boring. They they seem way more family friendly or just like, oh, you know, they they're don't not, have that weirdness. They're not, that's what I love. They're about, not like, fucked up. Movies. Yeah. I like the weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, want the weird, I want the element of surprise, you know. Um, they don't have to answer to anybody. They're like, they can just exactly. make up their fucked up little vision and there's nobody that's going to shut them down because they're like, listen, this is not going to go well in the test screenings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, how are we going to sell those movies that, popcorn in yeah. this movie? I don't know. Um, yeah. No, this is this is good, and that's why regional is great. Uh, yeah, we'll conclude it uh, in the last. Or wait, how many more? I don't even know how many we're doing. Yeah, we have, we have just one more. We we saved the weirdest for last. Uh, yeah, we did. Or I saved the weirdest for last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had nothing to do with it, but uh, I'm just glad I'm <laughs> alone for the ride. So until then, let's keep it purely casual. Bye.